0: You're listening to a Big Finish production. Maximum power!
1: Ah, yes. You must be the famous...
2: Uh, Dav Cullen.
1: Of course, Cullen. How good of you to come. I am honoured, Supreme Commander. Is that right? Should I call you that? Well, if you're going to stand on ceremony. But I much prefer Servalan. <laughs>
3: This is the Big Finish Podcast, released 9th of September,
1: 2018.
3: You are very welcome to this, our podcast just for you, the loyal followers of Big Finish Productions, the producers of the finest audio drama and books in this quadrant of the cosmosphere. Also, anyone else is welcome too, frankly... You know, Bert next door, invite him in. Hello! Come on in. Sit down. I think this could be right up your strata. I'm Nick Briggs, and here's Benji Clifford. Hello, folks. And you can expect all your favourite Big Finish
0: podcast features this week. The latest releases, that's over there. Uh, the Big Finish oh, news, that's up there. Ooh. Listener's emails, well, that's in the back garden. And the Randomoid Sean which is well, no, probably popping in around 10, 20 minutes. Who knows? Depends when the cab gets here,
3: really. <laughs> uh, but things are a little different this time round because we're celebrating the life of actor and rather wonderful person jacqueline pierce who as i'm sure many of you will have heard sadly died this last week as i'm sure you'll know jacqueline was best known for her rampart um, part as the arch villain serverland in blake seven we at big finish worked with her many many times we adored her and we want to tell you about her. Senior producer David Richardson, Big Finish CEO Jason hay and I will be sharing our thoughts with you on Jacqueline. There'll also be numerous interludes featuring the voice and words of the late great lady herself. And for me, most touching of all, her close friend and Big Finish producer and director John Ainsworth talks with great affection about her in our guest star slot. And to round things off, our 15-minute
0: drama tease will be from Blake Seven, The Liberator Chronicles 3. That's by James Goss and starring, of course, Jacqueline Pierce.
3: Any moment now, we delve into the latest releases with reviews and clips.
0: But before that, from our interview release, Call Me Jax, here's Jacqueline Pierce.
1: I'm, um, I'm very self-contained. I'm very good at being alone, living alone. Um, I'm blessed with the most wonderful friends, really wonderful, who've been a family to me, and I know are there for me because they proved it time after time. If I'm as good a friend to them as they are to me, I'm thrilled.
3: And there'll be more from Jacqueline later.
1: Welcome to the
0: latest releases. This week, we are talking about River Song Series 4 and some lovely reviews from the Twitter sphere. Twitter sphere. How are you comfortable using that word,
3: Twitter sphere, well, or
0: has it has it had its day? Oh, I don't think it's had its day. Has it? Come on, you know
3: it's quite a fun, is it one, vaguely, isn't it? Is it vaguely derogatory, Twitter sphere, or is it sort of well, affectionate?
0: I mean, it could be discriminating against uh, polygons or dodecahedrons. T- you know, who knows? <laughs> I think they're two the very different things.
3: Dodecahedron.
0: <laughs> Twitter dodecahedron. Twitter. No, I can't be bothered to think of any more. The
3: Twitter rhombus. No, it doesn't work. Oh, I like rhombus. Yeah, anyway, here's a clip from River Song Volume 4.
1: Temporal deadlock requires Gallifreyan technology and there's no evidence of Time Lord tampering. Believe me, I know all about that. Hello, River. Jemima. I got your invitation, so I see many fatalities this time. Oh, just
2: one
3: on Twitter. The Twitter, the trip of, from the Twitter rhombus. Justin Bust says, "All right, enough cannot be said about River Song Series Four by at Big Finish." But I'm going to try. Every set is better and better, coming up with exciting new ways to tell tales about one of the greatest companions Doctor Who has ever offered us. Here's a thread for the four stories. Yeah, people leapt in there.
0: Like it, like it. Well, Andy Weston here says, Dear Big Finish, the latest River Song set is an absolute triumph. That is all. What more can you say? <laughs> that uh, is all. Tom, ha- that is all I need th- to know. That is all?
3: Thank you. <laughs> that is what Neither. I needed to know. <laughs> <sighs> I was Monty's double <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why I said that I think I need to lie down uh, Tom Howson has been busy on Twitter he says time in a bottle from Big Finish by Emma Jane Reeves and Matt's Matt Fitton that is isn't it
0: yeah that's Matt Fitton Yeah, uh,
3: is a glorious adventure this is all part of River Song Volume 4 so enjoyable perfectly written and that's lovely isn't it for a writer to read that someone just saying perfectly written well done and is just so very hashtag River Song. Amazing cast that made up a brilliant little team. So excited for this set now, definitely surpassing my expectations. He carries on listening. He gets another story called Kings of Infinite Space. What a fantastic title. I love the titles I come up with. It. Kings of Infinite Space from at Big Finish by Donald McCleary is a fascinating chase story, so enjoyable by all the different worlds visited in this story. Also, a very emotional tale. But yet again, this box set is continuing on its high, on its high. Sorry, I thought I'd missed that word. On its high horse. I on pati- its high o silver. <laughs> high o silver. Light.
0: I particularly like the bit where you said, and he keeps on listening as if it was some kind of like f- like a horse race or something.
3: And there <laughs> and we he go. keeps on listening. He's coming up to the final. It's <laughs> on to the now. next one. There yes, yes. we go. Yes. Here we go. There Tom and he's through he's fully and coming up behind him Emma Jane Reeves and Matt Fitton there are chomping <laughs> at the bit hashtag River song. oh hashtag River Song is heading through and at Big Finish is the final winner <laughs> maybe who knows talking rubbish
0: I particularly <clears throat> uh, like the uh, the title of this this next one it's uh, The Fan here it just yeah, says The Fan The those. Fan says I just finished listening to this wonderful instalment of The Diary River Song I have too many good things to say uh, to fit into a treat it was, it was it was simply wonderful best of the series so far Tom Baker and Alex Kingston were amazing thank you Big Finish
3: yeah yeah I like uh, it to- Tom enjoyed doing that, by the way. He kept. He said, uh, "Nick, have you ever worked with Alexis Kingston?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, I th- "It's it's Alex, actually." What? Alexis, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so let's have another clip of that.
2: They called you a myth, my love, and so you are. But you're also the realest person in the universe, and yet, in this place, at this time for some reason when i close my eyes i can't find you
3: that's it for our short but sweetie see what i did there yeah, like it like it <laughs> latest releases segmento this week i don't know what was the matter with me it's probably more of a rhombus than a segmento uh, well more next time the Big Finish Noisy News is coming up in a moment. But as you know, we're celebrating the rather wonderful Jacqueline Pierce. So here's some more of her.
1: I think I did then um, a pantomime, which was a combined Doctor Who, Blake 7, really. Ah, oh, yes. Although I think I was the only Blake 7. John Nathan Turner used to do it every year. And I remember I came down on a swing to the Blake 7 theme music. Well I was in a different show I was playing Ophelia And I got this <laughs> long And he wanted it to be Camper than Christmas I told Gary Downey who was his partner um, That I couldn't sing And I couldn't dance which I couldn't And I ended up doing tap your troubles Away And one of the papers described for me as No mean tapper So how about that darling But I've never done pantomime since
3: that was enough.
1: <sighs> Darling, two shows a day. Please. You were lucky it wasn't three. I was very lucky it wasn't three. I know. Darling. Mm-hmm. Time
3: now for the Big Finish News. Is this the, Do we have the news
0: bell or is it the email bell? I've got a bell. I'll, I'll ring it. Do it. A, oh, that rings a
3: bell. That rings a oh, oh, I
0: like it, uh, like it, like it, like yeah. it, like it. Apparently well, I'm saying that a lot lame. this week. Uh, well... <laughs> In the news this week, the Eighth Doctor in Ravenous Volume 2, *River uh, Riversong Volume 5, Warlock's Cross, The Return of Klein, and Jacqueline Pierce Remembered with David Richardson and Jason Haig Ellery.
3: The ongoing Eighth Doctor saga Ravenous, featuring Paul McGann as the Doctor, with Nicola Walker as Liv and Hattie Moran as Helen. And apologies to Hattie, it's a minefield pronouncing her surname because we had a big conversation about it last time I saw it. But anyway, 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 this ravenous continues in October with the second four-story box set. Here's an exclusive earful of the trailer coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who: The Eighth Doctor
4: Adventures, Ravenous Volume Two. You don't know the Krampus is? Why he is the dark side of Christmas, the demon on the streets, and today. ...is the day the Krampus runs. You must be terminated.
2: Thumbs, the Vox, they're they're grabbing people on the walkways, attacking them! Die. Die! Die! Die!
4: They're my friends, and they're in danger. Along with hundreds of others, that is our first priority.
5: I feel normal. Tell me, what's normal again? You know, after everything.
2: The Sonomancer, end of the universe, Rikersen. Well, we've usually got a doctor to get out of trouble.
4: I've been to thousands of worlds, hundreds of thousands, seen sights beyond your imaginings, and yet, I still think snow might be the most exciting thing ever to exist. Really?
6: The fires of
2: hell! They call to you, wicked woman, they call your name! The robots are waking, one by one, and when they do, they're attacking. They'll kill us! Who?
0: Who's here?
2: I... 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 I don't even want to say
0: the name! It might hear me! If it hears me, it might come, if it comes, I'm
6: dead! Who?
3: The ravenous. Big Finish. We love stories.
0: you're in for a few treats with that one great oh, fun you know
3: all about that don't you We
0: certainly do son certainly do and I can say it's going to be rather 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 wonderful like, I,
3: can oh, sh- yes. I can can sh- you tell me about a favourite bit that you did that uh, won't reveal too much about the plot and give things away in a spoilery fashion
7: well,
0: I, I, I don't know if I can say a favourite bit, but I can certainly say that uh, I'm working on episode four at the moment. And, uh, Ooh, yeah, I, I'm confident in saying it's possibly one of my favourite uh, stories I've ever worked on. I'm loving Ooh. it. I'm loving it. Every, every second is a wonderful journey.
3: I was in a meeting with David Richardson yesterday, and he, uh, in a pause, he he was listening to the voice of the Ravenous.
0: Oh yes, 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 yes.
3: And he was very excited. Did he? In fact, speak of the day, he played it to me on his phone. <laughs> oh bless him!
0: Yeah, because I, I know that obviously uh, the Ravenous is 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 very uh, is is a very big thing for for. David Richards and Ken and, and Matt Fitton and John Dorney. It's like a, a big, it's like a their sort of yeah. huge baby. So it's, uh, it's awesome to finally uh, sort, huge out, baby. Sort, sort out the voice. Yeah. And actually, yeah. funnily enough, I've just heard back from them in email in real time here. Ken says, thanks, Benji. I think that voice works a treat. Let's see if David has any thoughts. But I'm happy to go with that voice. Uh, to which David's just replied, yes, thank you. Very happy. So there we go. The voices—that looks like well, that voices is, is set in stone.
3: Wouldn't it be awful if they, you were reading out and realizing say this work is substandard? <laughs> go back to the drawing board. You, you are a complete failure. The only
0: place for you, Benji, is on the scrap heap where you belong. <laughs> <laughs> Your Gosh mother was that, a baby. hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Um,
3: well done with your holy grail quote there you English knigger
0: <laughs> had to be uh, done. But yes so that's ravenous um but now we're moving on to River Song volume 4 it's just out and it's 45. going down ab- oh it oh. says volume 4 here where? With River Song Volume Four just out and going as a storm. Oh yes, yeah, time- so
3: I'm reading the wrong bit of the script. I think it might carry- have been. Um, Do might- carry on, old chap. No, 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 no it's fine. Yes, uh, we are
0: now moving on to the River Song. Uh, stuff here, so we've got uh, with Riversong Volume. Oh, I'm just going to do that again because that sounded weird. Okay, go.
3: <laughs> I'm going to keep all this in because it's podcast gold.
0: Po- podcast Benji. gold, because with Riversong Volume Four just out <laughs> and it is going down a storm with listeners, it's just time now to tease your ear things with a
3: throw forward to River Song Volume Five coming soon from Big Finish Productions, The Diary of River Song Series Five.
2: Hello, sweetie. Who are you? A huge admirer of your work. I'm sorry, I've clearly got the wrong person. Oh, don't tell me. I'm not the Time Lord you were
4: hoping for.
1: (laughs) Ah! Ah! (laughs) Amazing what you can do with a soil sensor if you're a technical genius. You turned it into a weapon? You have fallen into my trap, Doctor. (laughs) Well the terminal's
0: gone out of sync.
2: Oh, great. We're all going to die because your Wi-Fi won't connect. Hurry
0: up! Unless you wish a blast of radiation to the face, Professor Song, allow me to
2: work unhindered. Without it, I can never leave this place! Not my problem, master. Uh-huh.
4: you realize how many people have tried to kill me?
2: The Daleks did kill me, and here I am. There's a box down there full of bowling balls. Oh,
1: good grief! Remind oh. me to ask you why it felt necessary to bring these across time and space to the Triassic Period? Because if I knew who you really are...
2: Bravo.
1: So lovely seeing you again. Oh, no,
7: you don't! Not after what you've done here!
3: Big Finish. We love stories.
1: Forget the mind games. Just tell me, what are you doing here? What I do best,
3: my dear. Winning. I don't know why, people. It's something I picked up at the BBC. People were saying, throw forward. I mean, I said, what, well, you mean a trailer? And they went, well, yeah. yeah that's a... Thro- well, throw, throw forward. I said, throw forward sounds a bit like, you know something unpleasant <laughs> frankly
0: is, is that like
3: is that like the this, presumably
0: it's the <sighs> o- the opposite of a, a, a throwback so so what if you're doing yeah. a trailer for something made 20 years ago are you doing a throw forward for a throwback or are you throwing back a throw forward or would that be you replaying see, an old trailer maybe? It's an etym-
3: etymological This is the type, of, the
0: type of tangent that people who listen to this podcast hate. Um, so I'll continue in full force here. we <laughs> saying uh, Riversong Volume 5 featuring The Master, brackets S, uh, and Missy will be Obviously. out in January 2019.
3: And in the main monthly adventures of Dr. Foo, Sylvester McCoy will be continuing his epic run. Uh, in november 2018 he's doing a marathon. In, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's raising money for charity uh in 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 warlock's cross i thought i was gonna say start did you hear that yes <laughs> siri just said here's what i found on the web for for what for is raise money for charity <laughs> Did I say it? When I said Sylvester before that, she thought I said, hey, Siri, I suppose.
6: Isn't that weird? (laughs) That's quite funny. Anyway,
3: yes. I don't know where I was. Anyway, uh, Warlock's Cross by Steve Lyons and featuring the return of the slightly infamous but highly popular character of Klein as played by the tremendous Tracy Charles, who's forging an amazing career in theatre production at the moment. She's doing so incredibly well very proud of her makes her unavailable for acting unfortunately but never mind hopefully we'll see her again one day i've tried to get a lunch with her in london at least here's a clip you're late the meeting ran over i thought someone might be following me from the hall i had to double back twice anyway i'm
0: sorry and um tutum carmen
2: you had better not be wasting my time again
0: password dr
2: klein i need the password you know me greg unless you think i'm a shape-changing alien monster in which case you're already dead Next time, by the way, choose another aisle to meet in. If I look at any more chocolate...
0: We won't have to. Meet again,
2: I mean. Not like this. Are you saying what I think you're saying? We're on. For tomorrow. If you can still do as you promised. Finally. I'd have liked more notice, but yes.
0: Yes, I can do it. How utterly smashing. Uh, time now for some of my favourite people. We've got Nick, we have Big Finish senior producer David Richardson and executive Ooh. producer Jason Hay-Gallery and they're going to have a chat about Jacqueline Pierce.
3: David, when did you first
7: encounter Jacqueline? Oh, gosh. That's an interesting one. Well, it would have been when we started doing Blake 7 on audio because I was the first producer to work on Blake 7. Um and I guess it was one of the Liberator Chronicles um, because it was before she became ill with her second round of cancer um, and I remember she, she was battling cancer during the time we were doing warship um, and then was in recovery when we came round to do the next round of Liberator Chronicles so, uh, so yeah, it was a Liberator Chronicle
3: what was your first, I um, know oh no, you don't do impressions, but what was your first impression of her?
7: Well, actually, I'll tell you, my my strongest early memory of Jacqueline was um, we had a really busy recording day doing a Liberator Chronicle. And I think we had to do bits from two stories, so it was a long day, um, and we got to the end of the day, and she'd booked a cab, um, and she took me aside and she said... Um, do you mind if I shift my cab back half an hour or an hour because we get such little time to chat during the day um, and it would just be nice just to sit down and have a talk. And I was, I'm was i not used to that because, you know, you normally get to the end of a studio day and the actors are tired and everybody just wants to get home and relax and stuff. But Jacqueline was completely different. She she just wanted a bit of time just to, to shoot the breeze and chat, really. That really struck me, actually. That just felt so human and lovely.
3: That is lovely, isn't it? I um, she did enjoy the whole green room experience.
7: She? she did, she did. I, and she was, she was one person I felt I really connected with, actually, because she loved dogs. I think she had about five dogs, and they all slept on her bed with her. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and I'm I'm a huge dog lover. I'm passionate about my dogs. So, you know, we just used to bring in photos to show each other. She had a book of all her favorite photos of her dogs, so we'd just sit there comparing pictures. Um, and I know. She, I, I, I think earlier in the year she'd lost one of her dogs, which she was desperately sad about. Um, so yeah, she was, I mean, she was a very warm soul. Um, there's so so many words you can use to describe Jacqueline actually, and they're all they're all good. Yes, you know, I've, I've, yes. I've only got really positive, lovely things to say about her. And one thing I, I does always strike me actually is. She used the word "darling" as though she'd invented it and yes. owned it, <laughs> yes. and she could she could find meaning in the word "darling" with a change of emphasis. She could have yes. a whole conversation just using the word "darling." It yes. could be a question. It could be comforting. It could be yes. <laughs> it could be an annoyance, couldn't it? I mean, it was just, oh, she she could, amazing. She she could yes. just communicate using that one word.
3: Yeah, oh, it was, and also it was. Um, I don't know when she deployed it like that. It was almost like she had a twinkle in her eye, like, I'm not going to say much, but I'm just going to say, darling.
7: Darling. (laughs) Or if it was an (laughs) outrageous thing.
3: (laughs) You know, and it was like that, and she would just give you the one word, and it would just yeah, slay you. Or something slightly naughty would be, darling! darling. <laughs> <laughs> and her laugh, that, well, that yeah. was like incredible. Uh, <laughs> her
7: her <laughs> glorious, <laughs> glorious laugh. Um, and I don't know if you remember, when we were recording the War Doctor mm-hmm. stories with John Hurt, um, Jacqueline used to come into the studio wearing this huge coat I mean it was so elegant and it covered everything didn't it and she would keep it on all day Um, and then she'd she'd, she'd sometimes open it a little bit and she'd say yes you can see I've got a 90 on underneath and she would literally (laughs) roll out of bed in her 90 put on this dressing gown and come to the studio in a car Um, and You couldn't tell that she'd just rolled straight out of bed because she looked stunning. I mean, it was a beautifully chosen ensemble, wasn't it? I mean, it's not obviously identifiable as a dressing gown, but you're quite keen to point it out to
3: people as well, aren't you?
1: Well, I think it probably is identifiable as a dressing gown, but I don't care. I've just never seen the point putting on a nightdress to go to bed, getting up in the morning and taking it off and then having to put clothes on, and then coming home and having to take the clothes off and put a nightdress on again. So I keep it simple. I just keep the dressing gown on all the time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when you first saw Jacqueline
5: Pierce? It would have been a Blake Seven convention at the end of the 1980s. Um, seeing her on stage uh, with some of the other... Actors from Blake Seven was a bit of a revelation because you you 'd seen her in the television program being this very controlled, very in control woman yeah. who was uh, a leader of men and then seeing her on stage where she was all over the place <laughs> and she was you know taking the Mickey out of everyone and and also saying the most outrageous things in front of teenage. Boys and girls, um, <laughs> she had no filter in terms of um, what she would say about her fellow actors and also about the people she'd work with and about herself. Actually, I think one of, one of the wonderful things about. Jack's was that she was so self-deprecating, and she was in no way spiteful. She would say terrible things about people, <laughs> but but it, it was you could never take them as a spiteful act mm. because she'd say the same terrible things about herself.
6: Yeah.
5: I did read
7: her autobiography actually, um, which was a really in, it was an interesting insight to who she was. It was so open and so revealing about her life and her mental health problems um and the the traumas in her life which had created who she was um and it, it was interesting then to actually know that and also deal with her on a day-to-day basis and know her you know in a way that you don't normally with people do you, yeah, you know yeah. it's kind of you know I don't know your traumas you don't know my traumas to that extent but it was, all, it was all laid bare in her book and it was interesting to have some to have that much deconstruction of Jacqueline as an individual and then know her as a person because it just meant you felt you knew her really really well yeah. you know and she would talk openly about aspects from her past which had been so traumatic and you know, she she'd been through it all. You know, she'd been in institutions, and you know it was. And yet, she she battled through all these things that had happened to her life, and was this incredibly warm, loving, generous person.
3: I I felt that you know with that interview thing we did, which I think was your idea, wasn't it, Call Me Jack? Yeah,
7: yeah, yeah. And I'm so now I'm so glad we did it. Actually, yeah. you know, it's um, it it's it's lovely to preserve that aspect of somebody well it's as revealing presumably
3: as her autobiography because she was very honest in mm. it and i i have to say doing the interview i found it um this sounds awful really but i found it i found it useful myself mm. in terms of just mental health issues just to hear her talk so mm. openly uh, and and also uncomfortable though because of her her complete honesty. Yeah. Um, but I think it uh, yet yeah, to hear her speak about all those issues and the and the very tough life she had in many respects certainly earlier on uh, and talked about them completely openly. Thankfully, she sort of lets us off the hook with a sort of wry. Uh, perspective of looking back upon it you know when she says well I when I said what was your childhood like and she said well I I certainly wouldn't want to experience it again let's put it that way
7: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's interesting because she knew exactly who she was I mean she wasn't somebody who was hiding behind a mask or hiding herself her real self from the world so actually I think that probably meant she was quite balanced in terms of a day-to-day person you know She, it just uh, the openness made her more stable in a way does that make
3: sense yes no it does i think yeah rather than bottling things up yeah yeah she's i first met her when i did the myth makers interview with her when she was living in the smallest apartment stroke flat i've ever seen which was just a room uh the size of a small bathroom, really with with a kitchen off it, and I think a loo off the other side it was it was almost the size of a sofa or chaise long she was sitting on um, and it was um, and I found her fascinating and terrifying in equal measure, you yeah. know what I mean because she 's so blisteringly honest and open, yeah, and I was relatively young at the time yeah, yeah, it was an interesting experience
7: <laughs> I remember from that interview actually she was talking about the fact that um, she preferred animals to people. Do you mm. remember that? Because mm. she'd, yes. she'd spent all that time in Africa in the monkey sanctuary, just tending to chimpanzees, and you know, she showed us all these photos of her just cradling these little baby chimpanzees in her arm. I mean, what an incredible thing to do in your life, you know? It's just, it, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah I, I, I actually think she was remarkable. You know, I don't don't say that lightly. I think she was a a really... Somebody who's made a stamp on my life. Um, And and it's so nice, actually, to... Sort of, when you're a kid, you grow up with, say, watching Blake 7, and you see this character who's so strong and amazing, and, you know, you remember that character, and then you meet the actress playing that character, and actually she's strong and amazing and memorable in her own way. Yeah, and there's... Yeah,
3: I, mean, I, I think she was fearless, wasn't she? I mean, that's not to say that there were probably some things in her life that troubled or worried her, but yeah. I, there was a fearless quality her, in her much more than anyone else I've ever met.
7: Yeah, I mean, she would she would talk about death. I don't know. Were you in on one of her conversations? I think that might have been on the interview she did. I don't think she. It was something she feared particularly and she talked about her bed and she liked being asleep most of all you know she was <laughs> i think her, her her paradise was sort of lying in bed surrounded by her dogs
5: um you know better than i do nick um how well she got on with uh, john hurt mm-hmm. and having the two of them work together uh, must have been a wonderful experience
3: yeah it really was it really was you know it's clear that they had a very deep friendship and uh, I think it helped to make uh, John comfortable with us as well, which is yes. really generous of her. Yeah.
5: Was that her idea or was it your idea? It was idea? David's idea. It was David's cause idea. Because he
3: knew they knew each other. Yes. Yeah. And he asked me to create a character
1: that she could play. And he and his wife, Anwen, have been so kind to me. Three years ago when I was here having cancer for the second time, I'm not one to do things by halves, um, <laughs> I stayed in their London flat for the 11 months of my treatment. What a friend, you know. I adore him and I shall see him tonight and I can't wait.
3: And on that note of fond remembrance, it's time for the news to finish. <laughs> Coming up in our guest star slot will be Big Finish producer-director John Ainsworth chatting to me about his dear friend Jacqueline Pierce. He gives a really lovely interview. Unsentimental, informative, fun and moving. It's not to be missed. But now, time for listeners' emails. Now,
0: obviously, anybody that's listened before will know I love an email. Anybody cool. who hasn't listened before, just as, you know, at the end of the day, they, they might be like, well, you know, now I know. Um, and <laughs> I love emails so much that whenever on Twitter... Uh, I say something like oh I love this and and I'll name something that I love there will always be somebody who replies but do you love it as much as you love an email (laughs) so it must be some kind of scale now of, but does he like it as much as an email Um, they know you too well they do they know me too well I must reinvent myself. Um, So if you want to email in, because we do love to hear from all of you, then please do send an email to podcast at bigfinish.com. That's podcast at bigfinish.com. And have a chat with us. And maybe, maybe we might even read it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that would be good. It would be. Uh, So here's our first one here from River Jones. Dear Nick and Benji. Devastated to hear of the sad loss of Jacqueline Pierce. Servalan is one of my all-time faves. I had hopes that there would be a Servalan box set with just her and maybe Travis. Uh, I will have to just imagine, I suppose. It's always sad to lose a hero. I just hope that there is plenty of champagne available wherever she has gone to.
3: Oh, listen, I must just say about that. You know, when I did uh, the interview with her, Call Me Jax, uh, someone uh, jokingly said, she I, I don't know who said it, it probably was her about sort of, oh, it's a shame we can't have a bottle of champagne while we do this interview. And of course, Toby, uh, <laughs> the infinite caterer, uh, just said, well, oh, I've got a bottle of champagne here actually <laughs> in the fridge. He's always got one, you know.
1: Beautifully done. I'm have not- you eaten anything today? I had
3: a bit of breakfast. Darling. Oh, and I had a donut here. I realise I'm... Holding this, I should hold it like that, shouldn't I? But I'll just drop it.
1: Just pour the f- up. <laughs> <sighs> They're
3: not the right classes, are they? Well, darling, I can't see what I've
1: done. My very fair. Not far off. Yeah, is that all right? Well, I suppose it'll have to be. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, go, my darling. Oh, we should do this, shouldn't we? Oh, yes. We Cheers. Go.
3: Cheers. He's always getting out of the fridge and looking at me and going, yeah, if it's a special occasion, should we have this? I go, no, we've got to do some work. Got to work. But yeah, so we, got, we had champagne while we did the interview. So
0: cool. So, champagne with Jacqueline Pierce is, is, yeah. is life goals, isn't it, really?
3: Uh, yeah, I was, yes, that's true. I was a little worried about my ability to uh, conduct my um, professional responsibilities to the fullest degree. But I, I, think I, I think I just sipped. It adds to the fun, though, doesn't it? I've, I've yeah. not had
0: champagne with her. I've drank whiskey with her, strangely oh, enough. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, we, we were sitting there. It was at a convention or something. And she was sat next to me. We were drinking whiskey. And she was just there just just stroking my hair for, for the whole of the time just stroking my curls it was
6: really it was uh, oh, did you chat it. to
0: her much i did yeah i had a lovely chat there she's she's good fun i think my favorite thing was when yeah when i said to her i really like your outfit she said yeah she said it's my dressing gown she said i just oh, went yeah. <laughs> i think she said that to other people just oh going, yeah you'll hear
3: you'll hear that uh throughout this podcast folks because the dressing ga- the selection of dressing gowns yeah
0: she's just uh, she's just one of those people like uh Just like a legend, really. Yeah, there's people who are are larger than life, and yeah. So I was, yeah, it was so lovely to have have a chat with her and uh, have have my hair stroked.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, extraordinary person. He you won't be surprised to hear she never stroked my hand. <laughs> she, she'd just, have to find it first. <laughs> just, just, just patted the head instead. Just give
0: it a little, give it a little pat. Um, but yeah, so carry on here with the email. Um, yes. We've got here, I hope this isn't the end for Blake 7. Is Jackie appearing in any of the future releases already recorded? So I'll let you answer that now.
3: Nick. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm, I'm sorry to say she's not. She did the big anniversary thing with uh, John directing, but I think that was the last Blake 7 thing she did. And uh, and also she did uh, some stuff for us for uh, I think it was the Time War. I time think. War, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I'm but I'm afraid not because you know she had been quite ill for some time. Um, yeah. Also, I would say, don't, I mean, I hope she's not listening. Don't ever call her Jackie. It's Jacks or Jacqueline. Just saying. <laughs> you know, don't mean to correct you aggressively, River Jones. But uh, yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, carrying on here. Well, oh, um, oh, it's not the end of Blake Seven, though. By the way, it's not the end. Yeah. So the Liberator will continue to fly throughout the universe. Well, whatever they're doing in Blake Seven will continue.
0: Uh, it won't be the same without her, her. But carry on, please, as I couldn't bear being without Blake Seven uh, and Survivors. Uh, not to be too gloomy. Uh, question here. Um, oh yeah. Question: Name the episode. Um, what you need, young lady, is a smacked bottom um oh, blimey that, that's uh five
3: doctors isn't it no is it not is it i thought i it'd... don't know you see because doesn't um uh the first doctor in the uh, uh, uh what was the christmas special called twice upon a oh uh,
0: twice upon a time it could be from that twice one twice upon actually. a time
3: yeah he does mention it there uh uh but i think it's a reflection i can't remember which story is he said what you need young lady is a jolly good smacked bottom is what he says i think the first doctor in in the Hartnell episode whichever one it is i want to say it's in the um the dark invasion of earth shall i
0: should i pull out the big guns and uh have a use the internet use the internet you goggle it up (laughs) i know that he says something in um in the five doctors and um I don't think he says and smack bottom. Don't think No, that. I don't think he does in
3: seven I know that That's Tegan gets frustrated. Um, no, that that would have been too much even for the 80s, I think, the smack bottom. Oh, let's yeah.
0: have a look. Um, TV Christmas special, yeah, young lady, smack bottom. Um,
3: so when did he... Ah, because that Dalek, was an echo. Dalek Invasion of Earth. How about that? Bang on. Bada boom I was right. I was, you know, I was only 75% certain. When
0: listed on the, the bbc.co.uk Doctor Who classic episode guide here under Dialogue Disasters. Uh, what you need is a jolly good smacked bottom.
3: See, it was jolly good. Yeah. I, I love the way as say, well. it's got, I, exactly I think
0: we'd better say? pit our wits against them and defeat them um, is in there as well. Is it really?
3: Stop, I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Not that again, Briggs, stop
0: What's it. <laughs> we can all hear you. You're not, you're not getting past anybody I mean, it doesn't say what episode that is so if, if you know or if you just happen to be write, uh, watching it at home uh, write in, let us know
3: yeah, podcast at bigfinish.com
0: uh, but finishing the email here it says um, I recently watched it and howled with laughter yes I am that silly best wishes to yeah. you all at BF River and it ends with a quote here the power of accurate observation is often called cynicism by those who don't have it that's by George Bernard Shaw, who yeah. is the head of Shawcraft Robotics, uh, responsible for the Daleks.
3: No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. That's right, yes. Here's one from Betsy Jones from Ohio. Hello, Sir Nickster and Friar Benji Bolan. I bless you. Who get you? <laughs> this was going to be my entry for the ace Ace. competition this week. Everyone's enjoyed the number of A's, C's and E's and exclamation marks they put in. (laughs) Actually, Betsy's only put um, two in, so that wouldn't have uh, worked. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) I am pretty sure I got the writer wrong. I know the title, wah, 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 a la Charlie Brown, adult voice, Uh, but I'm loath to let IMDb tempt me into checking, really. Just do it. Uh, So, big finish day approacheth. Says Betsy We're down to counting weeks now I've booked my rooms in Derby And bought the plane tickets My UK invasion is taking shape dun, 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 dun. So now this podcast will now be flagged up On the security services at GCHQ Because we've <laughs> said UK invasion do, 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 do. They'll be straight round <laughs> Down on the floor <laughs> Put the weapon down It's my umbrella um, What can a yank expect from a fine gathering like this. Panels? That's right, do it yourself, panels. We're going to make- um, Flat packing. (laughs) I imagine signings and photos per usual. 20 years is a big deal. I'm excited for you all and have downloaded the Benny treasury for my ear things to absorb on the plane. How fantastic. I'm really, really um, disproportionately pleased that the term ear things is slowly permeating our (laughs) listenership. (laughs) just love it I yeah, uh, can't things. wait to see everyone well everyone oh everyone I see at the bit <laughs> can't wait to see every human being ever born and meet so many new people and I'm sure you got my memo about getting Del Boy in at the last minute thank you very much Del Boy does she mean to Derek Jacoby I it, don't it. think he'll be coming
0: well I, I can actually answer that one about what happens at, um, oh, yeah. at Big Finish what, what we often what we like to do really is uh, it's a very low-key event. You know, we just sort of sit down, don't we, really? And, uh, you know, Nick, you often go to the library, don't you, and get a selection of books. Um, yeah, we hand, that's right. We yeah. just hand them out and, and have a read, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, Sue Cowley, I think she, she sometimes brings in some... Uh, so mr kipling's apple pies doesn't she uh, for us all That's to share right, yeah. yeah it's really nice yeah. and uh, jason uh, does a speech yeah. um about ancient swiss architectures it's really you know lovely
7: lovely uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, no there'll be uh <laughs> there'll be some sort of autograph thing going on there certainly will be panels uh some other activities there's going to be a cosplay competition which I mentioned, and I will give a special prize to anyone who comes as
6: horror blaggy.
3: Also, the Hoovers are having an evening event on the Friday, but I suppose that's their affair. Um, Yeah, so... uh,
0: They're always great fun, aren't they? All these big finish days. It's loads of great people all gathered together and having a good old laugh and talking about big finish as well, which is nice. It's like a, a whole lot of love in the room, as I think I've said before, isn't it? It's lots of that's all the orange squash what's the orange squash anecdote thing that you always say nick
3: i've no idea
0: you, know, you say like big finish is like undiluted diluted orange squash oh,
3: big finish day is like undiluted orange squash that's right it's the real yeah it's, there's no dilution of the enthusiasm there it's all our people you lovely lovely people
0: it's going to be great fun and and looking forward to seeing you there betsy but also looking forward to seeing everybody else as well it should be really crack and also we're doing a live podcast aren't we which we have yeah, mentioned in yeah. some
3: form or another
0: yeah some form some form
3: i'm having a conversation with steve hatcher you know who's the hooverville person uh lovely chat i always been very supportive and enthusiastic about big fish having a chat with him hopefully next week he sent me a great email about it yesterday just as I was going into a gigantic Big Finish meeting so I said I'll I'll, I'll speak to you next week (laughs) (laughs) so until my
0: plane lifts off I must back up and uh, endure the daily grind knowing the payoff is close gets me through the bad days your pal in Ohio Betsy Jones sent from the deep and scary recesses of my psyche (laughs) it's just horror Blakey isn't it in there I hate you Um, butler oh you were meant to read that one out i
3: was oh, yeah dear oh, oh dear oh well, well. i'll just read you can this, read one, this one, then. one out yeah
6: that's, and that's... finally
3: this one from andy ritz <laughs> <laughs> hello did we read the first one out then Yes, we did. Yes, Sorry. Yeah, I think we did, oh, yeah. I was just having a, a nervous breakdown. And finally, this one from Andy Ritz. Hello, Benji and Nick. I've recently been going through the deep and dank corridors of the internet. <laughs> I
6: hate you, Butler.
3: And stumbled across some information on an unproduced story by Stephen Hall called 55 where the seventh Doctor, Ace, and Hex would encounter the eighth Doctor and Lucy for an epic adventure. From what I can find, it was abandoned due to cost issues. Is there any chance at all of this script seeing the light of day someday? Stephen Hall's previous two stories, The Word Lord and A Death in the Family, rank as two of my favourite Big Finish stories. The latter is even my second favourite overall Doctor Who story ever. All the best, Andy Ritz. Uh, Andy, Uh, i don't think it's fair to i suppose it's fair to call it an unproduced doctor who story in the sense that like you could come up with a doctor who story this afternoon and then say it's unproduced but i mean this was never anything that was uh uh, formally looked at Uh, there was a period i think when stephen hall who's a massively gifted writer Done so many amazing things, and indeed, those big finished stories you mentioned are, are great. Especially a death in the family, which just had me bawling my eyes out while I was driving. Where was I doing? I think I was driving down to um, the studios where we record. Tom Baker listening to that in the car, and was le- and and I just started crying. And then I got to some traffic lights, and some people pulled up beside me and looked at me. I was just like, they look at me like, what's the matter with him? Why is he crying his eyes out while driving a car? <laughs> Pathetic. Anyway. Um, but yes, uh, yeah he did. I think he suggested all sorts of things to us. I, you know, he suggested he suggested many things that the, we were already doing but he didn't know we were already doing them. And, um yeah. So um I think he also suggested having my job at one point. Anyway, <laughs> and I said no, I think I'm doing that. Um <laughs> so but yes, this was so in that sense it was unproduced, but it it wasn't anything that was commissioned or considered. And I do have a vague recollection of him suggesting a story that had more than one doctor in. And I think we probably said, uh, just as one of the issues, like, oh, well, it would be difficult, you know, we, to have, we don't often have two doctors in one thing because, you know, then you're paying two doctors. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I suppose that might be the origin of the remark about cost issues. But um, it's interesting that uh, someone has put it on the Internet. Uh, yes. Yeah. But no, there, theres I would say there's zero chance of that ever happening. Sorry, Andy. That's
0: it for the emails. That's it. Well, there they go. They're off doing that race thing that they did when they were galloping along in the horse and races. They're off and
2: they're just coming they to go. the end of the emails. And they've just
3: passed the at sign. And they're Shoo. just down to .com. And they're...
0: Yes. They've all gone sound like a Dalek <laughs> at the end there. <laughs> yes, I, I, I can hear you. performance
3: in me. Everything sounds like this.
0: <laughs> I, must, <laughs> I must say something really go quickly. I can
3: Oh, whoops, that's an old joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just had a hilarious uh, moment there. You know when they say about... about um, when uh like have people have auto spell on their phones. Well I nearly had a copy and paste error there because I was just replying to um Jamie Griffiths who does a lot of our um he does our behind the scenes stuff for the big finish releases and I was just sending him some files. And hmm. so um I, so I sent here here's a link to episodes three and four um, enjoy and then instead of posting the link I hadn't realised that I'd actually copy and pasted something from the email earlier which said what you need is a jolly good smacked bottom <laughs> so I very nearly <laughs> said to him here's the scenes from, <laughs> from three and four what you need is a jolly good smacked bottom but luckily I say luckily I, I was able to intercept it before uh, before, <laughs> before that got Ooh. sent out Oh dear, the internet You've got to
3: love it, yeah. Coming up soon the Randomoid Selectatron in which we randomly select a release from the Big Finish archive to chat about and we now give you 25% off the price. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. you fancy downloading it, yeah. But first Big Finish producer and director John Ainsworth and I chatted recently after the death of the rather wonderful Jacqueline Pierce. <laughs> I would like to start off John by you just telling me um, just First of all, what it was like you know, when you first watched Blake 7 with her in it. Presumably that's the first time you ever saw her on the telly.
4: Yes, Blake 7 was my first encounter with Jacqueline Pierce. Definitely. I, I, before that, I would—I don't think I would ever have seen her in anything or, or heard her. I certainly didn't know uh, the name. Um, so watching Blake 7 was the first time I saw her. Possibly not actually her first episode, because I was 13 when the first series of Blake 7 went oh, out. Yeah. And uh sort of eventually to my annoyance my my mum had booked me in to a series of judo lessons on monday nights and <laughs> and paid for them you know in advance it was like a, i don't know it would be 12 or something and they started on the Monday of the second episode of Blake 7, I'm pretty sure it was, or very early on. So, I was, of course, I realized I was furious that I was having to go to judo, judo and missing what a series that I knew I definitely wanted to watch. Um, um. and but, but I was told I had to go because they'd been paid for. So I would rush back from... Um, Uh, the judo lessons in in the centre of town to get home just in time to always watch the last five minutes of the episode of Blake 7 or whatever it was going on. So it's unlikely I actually ever saw her. But I think the judo lessons, perhaps there was only six of them or something, but I think they did finish before the the, the series did. So I think I probably saw the very last episode of um, the first series, which of course Jacqueline is in. Running around on a beach with uh, Stephen Greif and oh uh, uh, yes, uh, yes, um, and chasing amphibious monsters and things. So, yeah. Um, so I suspect it probably wasn't till the second series that I sort of really got in, in into what she was doing, really, and um, and just thought Serbalan was amazing. Um, and and there'd been nothing like, I mean, having watched Doctor Who all this time, I, I suppose I didn't feel there was ever, even in Doctor Who there had never been a villain like. Servalan, you know, um, sort of glamorous, yeah. a little bit, um, well, I probably wouldn't have thought so at the time, but, you know, a bit camp and a bit, you know, uh, a few bitchy lines and nice put downs and she was in control and all that. Uh, so it just appealed appealed to me very much. And, uh, yeah, I thought she was amazing, really.
3: Did it make a very special impression on you from the first time you saw her properly?
4: I think, yeah, I think she. It must have been quite. I mean, well, the fact that I can't remember exactly which episode or whatever. It is, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I suppose in some episodes she's actually only has minimal appearances. But I think, you know, that obviously grew as they, as the production team realised what she was doing and gave her more of a part. I mean, I know it certainly wasn't really until series three that I felt she. I mean, to my mind, even now, that's when she's at her best, and yeah. I think possibly that's because Travis was taken out of the picture, and they just, you know, she was the the villain, um, and I think she, yeah, she was she was definitely sort of full on in that that series, and that's what, you know what I really remember when I think about it.
3: So when did you when did you meet her for the first time?
4: Well, I'll tell you actually, I I remember seeing her, not meeting her, mm-hmm. uh, when I worked for the BBC. Um, it was during the time I worked for the BBC that uh, Doctor Who was still in production, and the Two Doctors was being made, and ah. uh, and I think we probably, as we did a lot of episodes, the people uh, us Doctor Who fans who worked for the BBC, you could actually watch the recording taking place from a, a viewing gallery. So I probably watched some of it from there. But I do remember there was these little on the on on the ground floor of Television Centre around the studios. There were these little. Um, Sort of like coffee bars, and they were called assembly points, and there was blue assembly, red, oh, yes, red assembly, and green that. assembly. And I can't remember what it was or why. And it certainly wasn't deliberately to stalk her or anything. But I went and <laughs> s- sat in one of these uh, assembly points, and I think the coffee bar was closed, so it was sort of mainly empty. It might have been blue assembly because I don't think there was a coffee bar there. Uh, and I think I was just—I was just waiting. I don't know to meet someone, or you know, and I was just killing time, really and they 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 were recording and and Jacqueline in costume, just walked through the assembly point, you know you know completely oblivious to the fact that I was sitting there, and I'm just thinking, oh, that's jacqueline Pierce you know and and in those days, I'd have been too far too timid to anyone or say anything yeah um, you know and i so i just sort of watched and observed and thought oh that was quite exciting you know um, <laughs> so that was whenever the two doctors were made. what would that be 1985 i suppose um mm. all, all around there but then yes sort of uh, quite a few years later um neil Corry was producing a fanzine or decided to produce a fanzine called cottage under siege which uh, <laughs> had a bit of a gay bent to it, shall we say, um, or a yes. or camp bent. And I don't know if I suggested it or he, he asked me or what, We he said, wouldn't it be brilliant to have an interview with Jacqueline uh, Pierce for this? And, and I said, yes, of course. And I think I said, okay, well, I'll try and make it happen. And I, and I knew she lived in Cornwall. I knew she lived in St Ives, um, yeah. which, of course, is quite a long way away. Um, yeah, and having made the trip a few times, I know it's really a long way, but uh, <laughs> oh, it takes a long. <laughs> it's a long journey from London, and anyway, <laughs> yes. so I so I wrote to her via her agent and uh, said I I think I explained about the, the fanzine um, and told her told her we all thought she was amazing and would love to do an interview about her and her life really, and, and I said and I would be happy to travel down to St Ives. To do that and i think i said that because i thought well that would just make it easier for her yeah and then a few days later uh i got this letter back which was uh in a black envelope on black writing paper in gold ink saying <laughs> and i still got it somewhere and i all i remember at the moment is that she said i think i'd love it she said and uh, <laughs> here's my number um so i rang her uh and we chatted a little and just sort of made rough arrangements. But as it happened, she was coming to London anyway. And uh-huh. uh, so she said, why don't we meet in London first, just to sort of meet each other um, and have something to eat. Uh, and we did that and we met for dinner and that was the first time I met her um, at, oh, the, yeah. at the Ivy, would you please? I took her to the Ivy oh. at her request. Because <laughs> I remember, actually, I, oh, I'm really going on now. I, I remember she said, uh, I thought, where can I take? And, I'd found, and I knew this restaurant, and I think it was Malaysian or something, like, or Thai, something like that. Yeah. And when I spoke to her on the phone, I said, um, I would oh, find a very nice restaurant. I said, I said, do you like Malaysian food? And she just said, loathe it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, <laughs> So all my plans went out the window. <laughs> and she said, I know a place that we could go. It's not that expensive. And it turned out to be the <laughs> Ivy, which you're which probably right. It wasn't perhaps quite as expensive as I might have imagined. But, you know. Exactly. It, it's yes. not. But it is but it McDonald's. Like you know? Yes, yeah, the
3: most famous posh restaurant in yes, London, basically. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs>
4: so we went there. And, you know, and over the years, we went there quite, quite a few times. Um, and when we couldn't afford to go there, we used to go to... Uh, Kettner's which is sort of still there but yeah. uh, in a different guise now and, we, but, and that was in those days Kettner's it was actually a sort of glorified Pizza Express and mm. but it mm. had a piano in it there was a champagne bar and it had the look of being Quite glamorous and expensive, yes. But at Pizza Express prices, yes. <laughs> so if we couldn't afford to go to the Ivy, we said, "Oh, we'll slum it at Kettners," you know, and, and that was, <laughs> and we would and we, go and uh, go to Kettners anyway. So, so yeah. So after that initial meeting, I um, I then did the trip to Saint Ives, uh, where I'd booked into a little B and B, and I think I probably spent a sort of long weekend. And we met up several times, and and then I uh, went back and um I remember as I got back on the, on that first trip I was on the train she came to the station to see me off and as as the train pulled away and I had my head out the window she just shouted I love you <laughs> 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 which I thought we've only just met you know <laughs> 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 but that was very nice um yeah uh, 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 and then I went back home and I wrote the piece which wasn't really just an interview I actually did more of a I suppose what you'd call like a profile piece. You know, it had quotes yeah. from her, but I had—I didn't sit there with a recorder. In fact, I remember telling her, um, I'm not just going to take this. I said, I'm just going to spend this time with you. And then I got to write about my experience of that and and your life here and St. Ives, et cetera. So it ended up being more of a sort of profile piece and know, um, yeah, yeah. just an impression of it. So. I mean, I haven't read it for a long time. I don't know what I would think of that now. But I think she was quite happy with it at the time. I mean, you clearly got on, didn't you? Yeah, we just... You know, I suppose the we, meal at the Ivy. We just clicked, really. Why do you think that was? Um, I think, I think we were both interested in exploring ideas and, talk, you know, I suppose analysing things a little bit, perhaps too much, really. So, you know, I remember even, you know, when we did talk about things like Servland, we were saying, well, why is Servland so popular? You know, what do you think? You know, and she, and she was quite interested in, you know, the, what it was that makes some something like that click with some people and, and other things not. I, I don't know. So we were able to have I sound like I'm feeling modest, but we were able to have intelligent conversation, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And we're interested in the same sort of things, or exploring the same things. Um, and I think she liked a little bit of adoration as well, you know. Um, hmm. You know, she she liked to be liked, um, and I'm sure I gave her that. Um, yeah, I, but but you see, for me, it, it was interesting. For me, it was a bit like. Meeting Jacqueline Pierce was the equivalent of meeting uh, Joan Crawford or something. You know, it was like yeah, she yeah. was sort of in my world. She was the equivalent of a sort of um, a film star, a megastar, you know, because of well, Because I thought she was so good, really. And then meeting her and getting to know her. It's not that that sort of disappeared or anything, but, you know, you get to know the person, you know, I, I over a little over a while I stopped seeing Cervalon and started seeing Jacqueline really yeah if that makes sense and yeah yeah um and weirdly because of that sort of experience whenever I've met anyone else who's quite famous or that you know even you know in our sort of Doctor Who world or whatever um I've been a bit more level-headed about it really not that I'm not pleased to see those people but you know I'm not sort of tied or anything, you know what I mean? You know, yeah, Because I think yes. they're still people and, you know, they're really good, yeah. interesting, talented people. Um, but, you know, that sort of thing about sort of going to pieces when you're in the presence of someone a bit famous. Uh, yeah, yeah. It sort of changed my sort of approach to that in a way. I don't know.
3: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She sort of gave that to you, didn't she, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
4: so it's almost like, well, I've met the most famous, important person I've ever known now. And so... Everyone else isn't quite as as, in, as impressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a way. that's really that's
5: really interesting.
4: Sort of, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it's interesting. So.
3: I'm just I'm just thinking of the sort of um, the timeline from you meeting her and realizing that you sort of clicked and getting on, and then you know, uh, yes, then you were with her when she died. So yes, what what that that's a there's a big difference between. Um, well, there's a big development between getting on with someone and then being the last person they were with, you uh, know, yes. because you were the, you were both that important in each other's lives. So, what what are the essential things about Jacqueline that you learnt along
4: the way? Oh goodness, <laughs> that's a question. Essential <laughs> <laughs> Well, I suppose when you spend such a long time with someone over, you know, over I mean, I, I had to think about it. It's, it's 25 years. I mean, that, that first meeting mm-hmm. was in 1993. I'm pretty sure or thereabouts. So, yes, I've known her for almost half my life and and a great deal of her life, obviously. And, you know, so you, you do get to see every aspect of someone and the, you know, the vulnerable side, you know, um, yeah, I suppose it's just that sort of intimacy in a way, I suppose, isn't it? Mm, that, mm. You know, that I think we're all only intimate and open to a very few amount of, pe- amount of people, I would have thought. Um, mm. and, she, and certainly in those days, uh, you know, the, the early days of our relationship, I think we, because she was in St. S- S- Dimes, you know, I didn't actually see her that often. But we talked a lot on the phone and we had a lot of very long uh, phone calls just talking about life and and ups and downs as well you know it was uh you know she yeah. was it's no secret that she you know she suffered quite badly from depression uh, mm. and at that time it was well for a long time that i knew it, she was very her ups were very up and her downs were very down that changed in the more recent years. she sort of was a lot found a much more level comfortable place uh and, and the highs and lows were not As extreme. Well, the highs were still quite high, but the lows weren't uh, as low. She she got she found a way of being in a better place, partly through medication. Mm. Um, But in the early days, yes, it could be quite extreme, and she could get very down. So you know, uh, we talked. When uh, I think just, I don't think I necessarily did anything specific to help. Or uh, I mean, it's very hard to help someone when they're depressed. But you can just be there, you know, and just talk. And listen, um, and that 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 can be enough sometimes. Um, so when you've gone through all that, I suppose you do you do develop a closeness, and that yeah, that sort of never went away. But even when there was long long gaps of time where we didn't see you know, particularly when she was in South Africa, of course, uh, it was um, yeah
3: the monkey sanctuary.
4: Yes, but only initially. She didn't do the monkeys all the time. She she went over for the monkeys, um, and then uh, for whatever reason she she moved on from that, but still loved south africa and just wanted to stay there
3: i feel that, um, that since my voice is appearing in this i'd like to say to the listeners that i uh, you know th- that you and i have known each other a long time and have been very very good friends and i feel that we know each other pretty well actually yes um and, and been through all sorts of yes. <laughs> interesting times together <laughs> um and um you um how can i put this you you kind of kept this more or less to yourself I, I knew that you knew her yeah. but um, you know and given that you were a fan of her work I mean how can I put it I, I can imagine that some people who were fans of famous people who got to be their friends yeah. would have just gone on about it all the time. It would have been my friend Jacqueline <laughs> this, and oh yeah, and I saw her the other day, and you know. And, but there was no sense of that at all. And listening to you telling me about the uh, these things, uh, you know, a lot of it I didn't know. I just knew you knew her, and I knew yeah. that you occasionally had um, done some cosplay. <laughs> <laughs>
4: we well, got to bring that uh, into it? Are we? Right, okay. No, I just <laughs> I it,
3: just to, you know. I've seen the photographs. You know, <laughs> I don't think I ever saw it in person. No, uh, yeah. So it's interesting that you you um i just wanted people to know that it was a thing that you you, you didn't brag about you know so that's interesting
5: no
4: i suppose not
3: what well, what's what do you think her best qualities were what was it that
4: you loved most about her oh well in some ways her best qualities were sometimes her downfall because she was she was a very generous you know kind open person um mm. and i think she always treated everyone else as if they were too, you know. And, and I think sometimes, unfortunately, there were some people who, who took advantage of that. Um, but I don't think she ever sort of took those experiences and thought, right, I'm not going to be a kind and generous, open person uh, anymore. Because mm. that was just so her. And, and, but she just wanted everyone to have a, as good a time as, poss- as possible, particularly when they were with her. Um, yeah. she just wanted everyone to yeah enjoy their life and yeah, um yeah, she she was never bitter about anything that may have not gone quite the way she wanted it to, you know. Um yeah. and in fact in that my one mistake uh in the um that feature that I wrote for the fanzine after is that um in the bit when I talked about Blake Seven, I said uh, I actually said something like, "And she's still bitter that she wasn't in the final episode of Blake Seven. And she she said, "The whole thing's wonderful you've written, apart from that." She said, "She said I'm not bitter, you know. I'm never yeah. bitter about it." And, you know, so she really. I mean, of course, she would have liked to have been the last episode of Blake Seven, but she didn't. Yeah. You know, carry any bitterness about it, and I think yeah. I and that was you know, and I realized it was you know, it's almost like a sort of a phrase isn't it people say oh they're bitter about this you know and i i would probably written it in such a way that i wasn't actually really thinking about what he meant um but it's a
3: sort of commonplace assumption isn't it really yes perhaps
4: you were bitter that she wasn't in it (laughs) yeah well possibly yes certainly some people were but you know uh, i think in the the the, the, you know the bigger picture it wasn't something that was that important in the end you know Uh, even though she would have liked it it doesn't matter sort of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> you t- you talk about her
3: being uh, very uh, open but she wasn't sometimes that openness comes with naivety and I don't think she was naive at all I thought she was quite wise about people I felt that when she looked at you 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 knew that she was understanding who you were
4: yes yes oh yes she was very and and if she had any questions she wouldn't hesitate to ask Uh yes which I think some people find unnerving. I mean, I think I probably did as well originally. You know, you sort of, there's nowhere to hide with Jacqueline. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, she, she will ask you the direct question if she, do, if she wants to know something. And if you don't want to answer it, you can say you don't want to answer it, and she'd be fine with that. But she's still going to ask the questions, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And she is; she was quite insightful. But I think more so as as time went by, you know. As, as I suppose, that's probably the case with a lot of people. Just she became much wiser. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, f- I found that she would uh, sometimes with me because I felt compelled sometimes to just say stuff about my life and she'd look at me <laughs> and uh, say something and uh, say well darling have you never thought that you know
7: or whatever
3: <laughs> and it would be an absolutely killing remark and we'd just both howl with laughter and she'd look at me and say yes I think I've hit the nail on the head there haven't I?
5: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
3: and her use of the word darling it was like a language all of its own wasn't it?
4: Darling yes well uh, yeah it was Um, I was talking to someone and and there was I'm not sure this ever actually did happen but I think it it was certainly credible that she could answer the phone have a conversation and say goodbye and put the phone down and actually the only word she'd ever said was darling (laughs) (laughs) it would be like darling 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 Darling, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs>
3: yeah, yes, absolutely. I've seen her in the green room, and and for about an hour, she's only said that word, and yet yes. people have the distinct impression they've had a detailed oh, conversation yes. with her. Yeah, quite incredible. I know
4: when she was on, uh, she did Pointless with um, Michael Keating. I don't know if you ever saw it. Oh. It was a, one of the celebrity no, ones. No, I didn't. And uh, and they they won. They you know they got through to the final round, e- and you have that. Uh, uh, for people who don't know pointless, you have a sort of minute at the end to decide what answers you're going to give to the question. So there was this yes. quick and heated discussion between Jacqueline and Michael about which subjects <laughs> they were going to <laughs> ask. And, uh, and Alexander Armstrong actually made the point. He said, at I don't think I've heard the word darling said so many times in one minute. <laughs> <laughs>
3: World record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear that's lovely <laughs> um i just wanted to ask a, sp- a specific thing about uh, her friendship with john hurt how yes. much you knew about that it was very important to her wasn't it
4: yes i mean i uh, do you know i remember when even when she lived in center ives she had this um, little portable television set with an indoor aerial and uh I don't know if I actually saw. She just told me, but she Alien was on one night, and oh, yes. and because John was in it, she was determined she had to watch it. But she found the only way she could get re- reception was by standing up and holding the aerial above her head while while she watched <laughs> the television. So she watched the whole of Alien, well until he dies presumably, or his character dies, and uh, <laughs> and held held up with the aerial above her head just to watch this. <laughs> so she was quite yes quite loyal about that. Um, but yes, I mean I sort of knew of. John, I, I did meet him briefly a few times quite early on. I, he, he certainly came over to our table at the Ivy once and started teasing yeah. me for coming from Bolton. And I said, "Well," <laughs> and I said, "Well, where do you come from?" He said, "Grimsby." And I said, "Well, then, like, <laughs> <laughs> touche." <laughs> yeah.
5: Exactly.
4: I mean, yes, he was just laughing. And, but then I sort of, um, much, much later, um, when she was mostly living in South Africa, when she was ill with breast cancer the second time she came back to uh, the UK to have treatment and she stayed at John Hurt's flat uh, while that was happening, literally at the hospital around the corner from where he lived. Mm. And so I would often visit her there and sometimes John and Anwin, his wife, would be there. So, uh, you know, I got to meet them there, there too, which was lovely.
3: Am I right in thinking that there was a point when uh, Jacqueline decided not to have treatment and John Hurt persuaded her to Continue, and he he said, "You can stay in my flat."
4: I don't know the the stay in the flat was the sort of. I think she was that. The point she came over. I think even then she was. She she certainly said she had considered it or was considering it. Maybe maybe he did say on the phone to her while she was still in Africa. But yes, I know he certainly persuaded her. Well, we all did, of course. You know, none of us wanted to say, "Don't get treatment." but, you know, I mean, I think that's po- that was possibly, you know, because she'd had these ups and downs. And uh, again, it's no secret, you know, and she said it herself. There were, there were times in the past when she was so down, that, you know, she did have the pills in her hand and was thinking about suicide. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, she never attempted it, as far as I'm aware. Um, but I think when something like this happened, um, she thought, well, maybe this is the natural way out sort of thing you know or the, you know just let it happen and um, yeah but yes we she was persuaded otherwise and uh, and the treatment went well and, and and yes so she she was fine for you know, quite a it few years it gave her many more years it did yes yeah. i mean that would have been well, i don't know six seven eight years ago something like that uh, well, i can't, I can't yeah. remember exactly but yes so obviously we're all very glad she did to have the treatment yeah <laughs>
3: Any other uh, lovely memories of her you would like to share? I know that's such a broad question, uh, it might make you go, oh, I don't know, it's just everything, <laughs> our lives.
4: Um, well, I, I, I suppose it would be nice to talk about, um, I mean, it was only in the last few years, it's almost gained sort of full circle, that here I am for Big Finish producing Blake Seven. So, of course, I've ended yeah. up um, directing her as cervelan you know um yeah but, gosh, yeah but comparatively very recently you know uh, considering how long i've known her i mean i've directed her in other things you know we did um in fact actually that's worth mentioning that uh, when i directed the stage play deceptions in brighton and that was early uh, very early 2000s and it was almost as a result of that even though i knew you all i think jason and gary and maybe you i can't remember came to see deceptions and uh and jason said obviously having, like, what he, he said, you should be working for us. Um, hmm. And as a result of that, I got offered my first big finish direction, which was the Bernice Summerfield. And I've been doing it ever since, really, you know. So yeah. Deceptions and Jacqueline being in it, um, you know, was sort of instrumental in that. And we have, you know, and there's a few, oh, Jacqueline's been in a few of the productions I've directed over the years. She was in the Sarah Jane Adventures and uh, Strontium Dog. Um, yeah, I know she did a Doctor Who very early on for Fearmonger, but I wasn't instrumental in that. That was one of yeah. Gary's. Um, and yeah, but so with Blake Seven, so I, you know, that was the first time with with, with really, and um, particularly working on the anniversary story which we did last year because she was the two days we did that she was on really good form actually. I mean. She did find it a little bit of a struggle in the last couple of years in terms of, you know, the the, the performance. Although it always sounded brilliant in the end, yeah. But yeah. she, you know, she was she was there you know, in the studio in Tunbridge Wells, and I think quite enjoying being with the rest of the cast, working with Stephen Greif again, um, and she was excellent. You know, um, I mean, Mark Wright wrote a brilliant script, and I think very good dialogue for her, which I think she liked and agreed that it was particularly good for serverland um yeah uh, and she did a great job of it and you know that's it's not quite the last thing she did but it's 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 very close and um and to my mind that's i'm, I'm so so good, glad that she did that really and uh it sounds so brilliant yeah
3: and of course also we cast her as their character alistra with yes. alongside john Hurst.
4: yes which she loved i mean i wasn't involved in those but um, you were. <laughs> yeah, which was
3: great. Uh, it was David Richardson's idea. I th- I pretty much think that he said to me, I think, could you write a character that Jacqueline could play? Because she and John are good friends. And I think it would be nice for him to come to Big Finish and have someone he knows and loves yes. working with yeah. him. So it was really easy. to. I think I'd already started to create this very sort of scheming Time Lord character with, with sort of, she wasn't a villain, but was certainly had a ruthlessness. Yes. And I think we thought, oh, well, well Jacqueline could do that standing on her head.
4: You know? <laughs> she certainly could. I think initially she was perhaps a bit worried that it was a sort of another uh, incarnation of Serverland to some extent. Hmm. But I think as it went along, she, she took it in a different direction, really. And I think she enjoyed doing it. Um,
3: yeah. Definitely. I mean, she was she wasn't an evil character. in that. No, I think
4: that's what she, gave it the interesting sort of nuance, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and to be honest, it didn't really have the sort of the slightly campy quality that Servaland no. can. Um, although servalans definitely. I don't like camp, John. No, no, camp's camp. not you, is it? Really.
6: <laughs> but it's interesting. It,
4: it, it is interesting, though. But some people. I mean, there have been times on the episodes that I've worked on for Blake Seven with Serverline in it. Um, I've actually asked some of the writers, sort of to take out some of the camp, because I think it's very easy, it's so tempting, isn't it, to go a bit further with those sort of delicious lines, and I think, well, you know, but no, let's cut eight of them and keep two of them, and the two that we have would be brilliant, sort of thing, you know, and, uh, because you want to keep the character real at the same time, you know, I mean, Servalan and and Alistair, you know, you don't want to mess with them at all, you know, they're dangerous people, potentially, you know, whatever side they're on, you know, and, she certainly brings that out, yeah. And then she loved working with John. I know she did. You know, she thought that was yeah. great. So, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs>
3: All right, then. Um, should I just give you a, one last, I don't know, moment to sum her up, and then that'll be it? Oh, sum her up?
4: Um, <laughs> gosh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to sum someone up you've known for so long and there's so many different aspects yeah. of them really i mean she was just a delight to be around you know and and a lot and, and i and a lot of us be sort of you know helped helped her when she needed help particularly in the last couple of years but we all did it willingly you know because you know we just loved her and it, it, it never seemed like a chore or anything like that. So yeah, she was just. I, I remember once saying, "Where was it? I think it was perhaps when she was ill and she was, and I, I had to leave and she was going to be on her own for a while." And I said, "You won't get bored, will you?" And she said, "Darling, are you ever bored when you're with me?" And I said, "No." She <laughs> said, "Well then."
6: <laughs> oh, <how> amazing. <laughs>
3: it's really lovely to chat to john it's a funny thing that i didn't get at all emotional talking to john it's only when i listened back that, that i actually weep buckets i really did when i was doing the editing I emailed him to tell him, and then he said, and then he said to me um, that uh, that made him cry—the fact that I'd said that. Aww. Funny things, aren't we, human beings?
0: We are. And of course, talking of funny things, it's now yes. time for the funniest thing of all. It is the Randomoid Selectatron. <laughs> laugh, oh. Nick, laugh it up. <laughs>
3: Man laughing. Track three. <laughs> BBC's Sound Effects album. Track three. Snail exploding. <laughs> Snail exploding. <laughs> Let's think of some other interesting sound effects. Uh, track four: light bulb imploding. Oh, that was good. Mine sounded like yeah, that. Was it? Yeah. Um, Star Trek doors. Oh. Um, Dropping weight on foot.
6: Oh. <laughs>
0: um, getting buried by stones. Oh, oh, no, no! I'll just drop them all over the floor. Oh dear. That was very good though. Yeah, I take it too far, that's the problem.
3: Glasses case closing.
0: That's a terrifying sound, that is. You don't want to get your feet. Check out this one though. Here we go. Oh, this
3: is a. Hold on, let's do it this way. Ah!
0: (laughs) Nothing scarier than a snappy case. What about this?
3: Oh, yeah. Bubble, That's the cyber leader coming out of its plastic wrapping, <laughs> isn't it? That's what I did for Sword of Orion. I did, did so you? much ripping up of bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah. I love a bit of bubble wrap. It
0: could be oh, a
3: wirror, wear- yeah, a, a of course. Just, oh, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, yeah, but. God, we're such fun guys, aren't we? We do have a bit of a giggle, don't we? apparently? Right,
3: yes, we're such fun guys. Such... Come round and have some fun. C- come and have fun
0: with us. We, 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 we're very friendly. Aye, uh, Aye. But yes, anyway, we're talking of fun. It is time for the Randomoid Selectron. So without further ado, you key... that epic music. Woo.
3: Okay, so I've got to remember to put this one on offer. Last time I put it on offer, but didn't enable it so luckily sue cowley came to my rescue and said yeah you want to you want to let people be able to buy it nick <laughs> well <I tell> you- <laughs> <laughs> imbecile imbecile sorry about that Competent fool um Thank goodness for sue cowley that's all i can say well right. it's a good one to be on what offer
0: this week it is actually uh, the light at the end standard edition brackets oh. there yeah pure gold says doctor who
3: magazine have we... Um, I don't know why I'm even typing it into the search engine. I've, I know all about it. Uh, have we not done Lies at the End before? Oh, well, this is we the haven't. thing I thought that we had,
0: but maybe we haven't. I don't know. Well,
3: it's worth worth mentioning. You know, why I mean, not?
0: You know, for 25% off, you can't... Uh, 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 they, they can all hear it again and just be happy because,
3: yeah, you know, they're good. getting money off. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't th- buy it again if you've already got it, folks. I mean, I'm, I'm not advising you to do that. I mean, if you want to make a donation, that's fine. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, I ca- I've said all the anecdotes about this before uh, I didn't want to do a multi-doctor story but David Richardson and John Dorney persuaded me to do it by coming up with a sort of vague outline about a sun exploding and affecting all the doctors and I thought oh, it's not ah. going to be a sun I'll do that I'll do this did that uh, it was a scheduling uh, challenge that David Richardson manfully stood up to and so we recorded people some together some apart and it was, yeah, was very cool. good uh, and um, what else great fun to do <laughs> amazing um, sound design by uh, Jamie Robertson and fantastic music and uh...
6: <laughs>
3: and here's here's uh, uh, the trailer
4: you know old girl sometimes I think you're probably the
2: finest ship ever to have sailed the vortex Oh I word! so now we know now we know for sure
0: Why are they here, hmm? Why are all the doctors here? Hello, my dear. Doctor? What is it, Lissa?
2: Here, look.
6: In the doll's house, what?
2: Look through the window. Come on, Ace, run! Back to the TARDIS! What's happened? Where am I?
3: You're in the TARDIS. How do you do?
6: I beg your pardon?
3: Oh, no need to. I'm the doctor, and this
2: is... I am Leela. Then, they were you.
7: Three minutes past five. 17 the 23rd of November, 1963. And the 23rd of November, 1963. 59A Barnesfield, Crescent,
3: Totton, Hampshire. Crescent, Totton, Hampshire, England. Earth.
2: Stop fiddling about and get on with it. Charlie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll come back for you. You hear me, Charlie? Doctor, no! Did there to be some kind of horror? All this cloak and dagger business?
0: You're clearly up to no good. By all means, please do come, come out to play, Doctor.
2: I'm waiting for you.
3: The trailer was also, um, uh, inflatable. <laughs> oh, that... <laughs> if only you could have seen Benji doing all those sound effects. They weren't not only brilliant on an audio level, but, uh, my favourite yep. one had when, to be it's when the balloon flew away and you did that kind of graceful retreat mm-hmm. in slow motion.
0: I, my my favourite one is when you said a lot of what is it? A lot of heavy scheduling and I scribbled onto a bit of paper <laughs> <laughs> and there's the art. It's modern art. There we go. There you go. And if you write no, you it, in, I'll, I'll send it to somebody. Somebody can Sign have that it. and frame it or something.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I've got to say about the lies at the end. I mean. Um, i think we did jolly well actually didn't we i think we did
0: jolly well yeah it was a nice condensed version essentially of 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 uh behind the scenes looking to that one but yeah light at the end just cracking story
3: i i I can't believe that i was audacious enough to put to set a lot of it in a fictional version of where i grew up Yeah, I think but fifty nine A Barnesfield Crescent in Tottenham. I even had a character called Bob Dovey, and the <laughs> Dovey family used to live opposite us. I mean, it was just all right about what you know. And and I think I lived in fifty nine Barnesfield Crescent. If anyone listening lives there, higher, nice bungalow, isn't it? Uh, there's a sort of. <laughs> There's a sort of hump in the uh, garden. That sounds like I killed someone and buried them there. That's not what I'm saying. That's just the way it is. Um, There's and, a sort of uh, hump in the garden. Don't, don't don't dig under there, whatever you do. <laughs> There's a shell of a Dalek down there. <laughs> and it's still alive. Um, yeah, and so the, the uh, sum total of my imaginative power was to add the letter A to the address. 59 <laughs> A. Yeah, they'll never know. So, they'll never know. So... It was quite a thrill for me because I got the doctors all to say that address you know so all the doctors nearly saying the home address of where I lived oh. back in the 60s we moved out in 19 right at the beginning of 1972 because in our new bungalow we were into bungalows in our new bungalow in uh, Burton on Trent where I moved to for a year which where I had a lovely time as a kid actually lovely lovely people up there um, very welcoming unlike the isle of Wight, they weren't so welcoming but we won't go into that uh, <laughs> <coughs> even though i do love the isle of Wight, i had a dreadful time at school there good old mm. but, um, the isle of wicket nick nick's uh, sad story that's from another podcast um, <laughs> yes the first episode of doctor who i saw in our new bungalow in burton-on-trent was episode one of the curse of peladon oh what a story as well what a story yeah i missed the very beginning seem to remember i came straight in on joe and the doctor climbing you know they just climbed out of the tardis oh on the you know, cliff it was <laughs> horrible weather yeah i think it must have been b- i think telly. i missed the tardis falling down the cliff yeah
0: and slightly slow motion oh, oh god what a story might have to crack that one out of the old cupboard later every little watch on the sunday that's a saturday today though
3: isn't it? yeah i haven't got it oh damn ta- anyway right so there we are light at the end thank you well marvelous stuff if i
0: if i do say so myself (laughs) (laughs) and so of course as the podcast falls into darkness like the autumn sun behind some very dull gray clouds time now for nick
3: and i to make up a trailer for this belly podcast a boom. So on the ninth of the ninth month of 2018, a celebration of Jacqueline Pierce in a Big Finish podcast not to be missed. I'm Nick Briggs, this is Benji Clifford. Good morning,
0: afternoon, evening or day. Um, As well as that, we discuss the latest releases. Uh, In this case, we have uh, Riversong Volume 4. We also have special clips from uh, Jacqueline Pearce's interview release that we did uh, called Call Me Jax.
3: The Big Finish News talks about the 8th Doctor, Riversong and Klein. There's obviously listeners' emails as well.
0: And our guest star here is uh, John Ainsworth as he reminisces about Jacqueline Pearce and her life.
3: Yeah, there's the Randomoid selectortron. And our drama tease: 15 minutes of The Liberator Chronicles, an episode called Three. Yeah, rock and roll, rock and roll
0: would have been perfect if it wasn't for me going. did at one point very early on. Like I never did the latest release. That's my impression of one of those Telex machines. I don't think that's what they sound like, but they mine.
3: I don't know about you, but I'd like
1: to hear one last thing from Jacqueline Pierce. Oh,
0: definitely, definitely.
1: I remember once when I was here doing a, bi- a big finish, and Jan Chapel was here. And she said to me, do you ever think that when we were old age pensioners, we'd still be talking about Blake Seven? No, of course we didn't. It's quite remarkable and it's getting bigger. And what's your relationship with it like? Do you embrace it? I embrace it. Yes, I do. I'm very grateful to it. I mean, I wasn't for a long time. Um, You weren't for a long time. No, because I wasn't very happy at that time for other reasons. And so um, Blake's became sort of intermingled with that. But now that time has passed, I'm very grateful to it. Very grateful to Servalan. She did me a lot of good.
3: There we are. A time now for some more. Yeah. Time now for our 15-minute drama tease. And in celebration of Jacqueline Pierce, here she is in Blake's 7, The Liberator Chronicles, and a story entitled 3 by James Goss.
1: and Cullen. Yes, Supreme Commander. Ah, yes. You must be the famous... Uh,
2: Dav Cullen.
1: Of course, Cullen. How good of you to
2: come. I am honoured, Supreme Commander. Is that right? Should I call
1: you that? Well, if you're going to stand on ceremony. But I much prefer Servalan. ...between friends. And I do hope we will become friends.
2: Most people are wary of journalists.
1: Not me. I have nothing to be afraid of. Really?
2: Everyone has something.
1: I was brought up not to be afraid of the truth. That's very refreshing to hear.
2: Especially in my profession. You see, I rather think of myself as... Well, forgive me if I sound pompous. Not at all. I'm a crusader for the truth. When I'm interviewing someone... The truth is always the third person in
1: the room. Three. I beg your pardon? I was simply agreeing with you. Uh, Forgive me. Do sit down. Would you like a drink? Uh, No, thank you. It clouds the judgment. Then you won't mind me having one. After all, I may give myself away. Now, how can I help
2: you? You're a very private person, for someone in your position. So few pictures, and you rarely give interviews. Indeed. And yet,
1: you agreed to my request. You intrigued me. I like being intrigued. I find it an... attractive quality. I see. Have I embarrassed you? I am sorry. I thought you admired the truth. Oh, I do. Have you a wife?
2: That all depends.
1: <laughs> oh, Colin, I like you more and more. I must admit,
2: you're not quite how I expected you to be.
1: I think you've been reading too many articles about me in your newspaper. Ouch. Well, they are rarely flattering about me. No, it's fine. In the Federation, a free press is very important. Don't worry, I can take it. I am not offended. You have been behind a number of... uh, controversial actions. Controversial, yes. Until they proved successful. I do so like being on the winning side.
2: That's part of what interests me about you, I will admit.
1: You're clearly highly ambitious. I don't see that as a failing. But that's why I value the chance for us to have this tête-à-tête. To put my side of the story forward. This won't be a whitewash, Sir Valan. I only want to tell the truth. Good for you, Colin. And now you've seen me in the flesh. What do you think of me? You're younger than I thought. And a very attractive woman. ah <laughs> Oh, Colin, you are too kind. I'm hardly a baby-eating monster, am I? Oh, not at all. I'm glad you don't think that. Shall we make a beginning? First, let's see about these anomalies. Anomalies? You mentioned them in your interview request. I I did, yes. Merely as a way of getting my foot in the door. But, Colin, my door is always open. Now. Let's stay focused on what intrigued me so much about you. These three anomalies you found. Yes, in your official biography. Anomaly. The only reason anyone reads an official biography is when they are preparing an obituary. Are you writing my obituary? Uh, no, I, I... hope you haven't come here to finish me off. Of course not. Then why? Because there is so little known about you. Most men like an enigma. They find it appealing, do
2: they not? Indeed, but if one researches you, looks into your history, then there are three things worthy of investigation.
1: Three? Again? And?
2: Here I am, investigating, a humble seeker after truth. Is that
1: all you want? That all depends. (laughs) Yes, yes it does. Well, Colin, since you have come all this way from Earth, I should hate to reward you with just the ugly truth. However, you must realise that sometimes, for reasons best known to ourselves, if we do not exactly lie, then we are evasive with the truth. For example? Just now, you were evasive about having a wife. Merely conversationally? It doesn't matter. You thought I would be somehow unaccountably offended, no doubt, to know of the existence of your wife. However, you would not be so evasive if I were to ask after your child. Actually, I have three children. Three? Do you really? Well, there we are. Three again. Three people in the room, three children, three anomalies to settle between us. Hmm. Very neat. Thank you. Are you sure you won't have a drink? I'd prefer to get started. Very well, then. Let's start with... Number one. Everyone knows
2: that you come from a privileged family. You couldn't be in Space Command without one. I prefer
1: to think of myself as a self-made woman.
2: I meant no disrespect. It's just that your record makes no mention of exactly who you are. Indeed? Forgive me, but... You could be anyone. Meaning an imposter? <laughs> not at all. I simply think that it would provide an insight to my readers to to understand where you came from. To know the real Servalan.
1: I'm not sure anyone would want that.
2: No, come on. Let's find out who you are, Servalan. Between us just us two.
1: Three, surely. Let's not forget our old friend, Truth. No, indeed. So, to begin, perhaps you could tell me a little about your father. What was he like? My father? I loved him when I was young. He was on the High Council. What was his name? He was a noble, honest and wise man. But, forgive
2: me, what was he like? What colour was his hair? How tall was he?
1: Everyone respected him as a man of integrity. You may write that down. I see. I can tell you would like more. My father put his family first. There was a factional dispute among the High Council, as there often was in those days. Of course. And my father, well, the President asked him to vote against his conscience, against everything that he believed in. And he held fast to his principles. What date was this? Oh, long ago. There was often dissent among the High Council back then. Not anymore. So he stood up to
2: the President?
1: It was a stand that earned him a lot of attention. Many even talked about him as a possible successor, if he cared to put his name forward. Until, that is, the President took him to one side and congratulated my father on his noble stand and offered him every support. The path of truth is a lonely one, my friend, and many traps are laid for the brave. Why, he told my father, he had even personally placed his entire family into protective custody, just to make sure that no reprisals were made against him for his courageous position. My father was no fool. He saw the threat hanging in the air, and he knew that if he did not change his position, we would all be wiped out. So he had to make a choice between the truth or his family. And What was that like? How did you feel when they came to take you prisoner? Surprised, I will admit. I do not care for surprises. Imagine the scene, the guards rushing in, me hearing the cries of the others looking up from my game. I was annoyed. I had been making a castle out of building blocks. A guard swept them to the ground. An act of casual cruelty. I imagine he was simply trying to make a point. I merely thought it petty. The kind of trivial act of brutality that, whatever the outcome, there would be no reprisal for. It was something he thought he could safely get away with. Bullies have their place, but not cowards. I have no use for cowards. All the same, with a gun to your head? Oh yes. They made it quite clear. If my father did not change his vote, we would be executed. The fact that you're sitting here tells it me... It tells you nothing! Even as a child, I was an excellent shot. The guards did not search me. They assumed that, as a little girl, I was harmless.
2: I'm sure many have learned that lesson since. Quite.
1: The guards were remarkably easy to kill. So your father could vote with his conscience? Alas not. By the time he received word that we were safe, he had already capitulated. He put his family before truth. It's
2: an understandable position to take. Would you? Well, I... nothing like that has ever happened to me. But I suppose my family would
1: come first. But I can't imagine how it would feel. Can't you? Then I shall tell you how it felt. You would think I was grateful, understanding, but I could never look him in the eye again. He was weak. But surely if you were in his place... I have made sure I have never been in that situation. It is a position of weakness. When I grew up and joined Space Command, I left him behind. I decided... I decided he was no longer worthy of me. You have high principles indeed. I had seen my father compromised. As a political figure, he was ruined. Everyone knew the President had him in his pocket. And all it had cost him was a few guards. But your father could have lost his entire family. He could have lost you. Indeed. And that would have spurred him on to fight back. It should have fueled his revenge, swept him to the Presidency. The chance had been there, and he wasted it. Instead, he was a broken figure. It was an embarrassment to have him associated with me, so I had no choice but to wipe him. From history? If you must, yes. That is why my father does not appear in my official biography. To have his name there, even if it meant nothing to others, would remind me of failure.
2: I am sorry if talking about it causes you pain. No more than it causes you pain. I see. Do you? But what about the rest of your family? How did they feel? The others held
1: hostage that day. Why, Colin, I believe you are attempting a smooth transition to question number two. Perhaps I am. It's clear from what you just said that you weren't
2: alone in that room when the guards came in. Who was there with you? Your mother? Sisters? Brothers. I don't see why it's important. But it's another aspect missing from your official biography. And the idea interests me. Your family. I'd love to speak to them. To find out if they're jealous of my success. To know how they feel about you. To have a sister in Space Command is one thing. But to have her Supreme Commander? You see, we call it, forgive me, the human interest angle.
1: Oh, that. I've never found humanity particularly interesting. Useful, perhaps. That's something of a sweeping statement. Isn't it? It's clever and not entirely true. There have been one or two unique exceptions. Such as? Perhaps you would care to investigate and find out. One thing at a time. There remains the matter of your family. Oh, Colin, you're like a bloodhound. Relentless. You are determined to discover the real me. Let's start with your siblings. Do you have any? How many?
2: You came here looking for the truth. Well, let me tell you. You've
0: been listening to a Big Finish production. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. I'll have a really good time.
2: And have a great old love. <laughs>